and we going. We going. We live. We keeping this pushing. It's Monday, February 15th. Welcome to the Hezzy, brought to you by BasketballGods.net. This is episode six, week two. We keeping it rolling. Coming fresh off Valentine's Day weekend. My advice to you, fellas, is always go bigger. Right. If you if you're if you're out shopping, it gets difficult, man. I've, I've been together with my wife for almost 20 years. And so you run out of shit to do ideas, especially in these times. But if you're if you're guessing like, uh, what are we doing something kind of minor here? Like if you can get the bigger gift because it, it's like a safety net. You always it's always OK, fine. Right. That's my advice to y'all. But we kept it real low key. We watched uh, we watched the new flick on HBO. Judas and the Black Messiah. I'll tell you what, man. I, I One, I liked it a lot better than the Black Klansman. I didn't like that Spike Lee joint. It was all right. It was mid, right? This this was a lot better. And, you know, the lead, the, the brother from Get Out, I almost didn't recognize him initially, but he he's going to win an award for this. Looking like Julius Randle if he never played in the league. But, uh, yeah, highly recommend that one. I hope you all had a good extended Valentine's slash President's Day weekend here. Mondays on the Hezzy are going to be a little different. Rather than going over maybe specific games, I want to get into some bigger picture stuff. So on that note, I think we have to start in the City of Angels, the defending champion, Los Angeles Lakers. Those of you may have not seen it because it was it was a weird, it was a Sunday night game. I know, again, people had plans yesterday, right? Hopefully you weren't watching it, you feel me? But uh, AD Anthony Davis had missed the last two games with a sore Achilles. Last night, he suited up against the Denver Nuggets. And as he's driving to the hoop, he limps off and he grabs the Achilles. You go, oh man, okay, well, you know, Anthony Davis is a guy that's, you know, he's constantly chipped up. He's constantly grabbing at something. He takes a lot of falls. I've spoken about it in the past before. My problem with Anthony Davis is he hits the floor too often. He, he does, and I get that he's so athletic and he challenges so many shots that some of it is inevitable, but there are other times where he just seems to get tangled up under people's feet and he he doesn't have great spatial awareness for as athletic as he is. You know, you look at LeBron, one of the things we talk about LeBron being an Iron Man, one thing with LeBron is you notice he doesn't hit the floor unless he chooses to. I know that flop video was going around this week, right? That He chose to do that, but LeBron... He doesn't go to the floor much, right? Unless he wants to. AD goes to the floor probably like five times a game. But I digress because that really has nothing to do with the Achilles. That's more of the back and shoulder issues, I think. So he comes up grabbing the Achilles. And you go, okay, fine. Well, he didn't even hit the floor. But here was the scary part about it. Because when, when you're not sure how bad a guy's hurt or when you're trying to, you know, as fans, we're all trying to diagnose live as, as you know, living room doctors. Oh no, what's happening, right? One tall tale sign is the player's face, right? And as Anthony Davis went to the free throw line, he was borderline in tears. You could see the fear on his face and in his eyes. And so it's a scary situation that could change the balance of the Western Conference. And I think most of us probably immediately started to think about the Kevin Durant situation. Katie sore Achilles, pulled Achilles in the Houston series. I don't have to go through the details. You all remember. He gave it a go in, what was it, game five in Toronto? I, I don't remember the specific game. And we know what's happened from there, right? Now, 
Reportedly for the Lakers, what this is, is tendinopathy. He has, Anthony Davis has tendinopathy of the Achilles. That may sound familiar because that's the same thing that Kawhi has in his quad. And the difference between tendinopathy and tendinitis is it's degenerative. It, it, it's, it's just an ongoing thing. It's just basically a more severe version of tendinitis where you can't really heal it. And it slowly degenerates the tissue which just sounds terrible, right? And I think that that is probably a big reason and why Anthony Davis, if he was aware of this, why he took that five-year deal. I remember people were kind of surprised he didn't take a one-and-one or a two-and-one, right, and kind of be a little more conservative with his commitment to the Lakers. First off, prayers out to AD that he has avoided what everybody's fearing, right? Hopefully it's just a tendinopathy and it's sore right now. We're all awaiting MRI results on it. And the question is, do you shut him down? Do you shut Anthony Davis down? And I think in a vacuum, the easy answer is, of course you do. You've got a seven-foot star in his prime. Why would you risk it? You don't want to risk that, right? But then when you throw LeBron into the equation, does that change your answer when you consider LeBron's window is closing? I know we've said it for the last five years, but father time, I will repeat it, is undefeated. And at 36 headed into 37 years old, right? Like he's only got a season or two more of this version of LeBron at least, right? And so does that put pressure on the Lakers and more importantly, Anthony Davis, does he feel like he wants to go out there and push it to take advantage of this team that they have now? You look at the team, Gasol, right? They're made to win right now to go back to back. It's not an easy answer, but in my eyes, I think I think you've got to hold him back, right? I think you've got to hold him back and sit him as long as it takes. Does that mean he sits out the rest of the year? I don't know if they know that. I don't, you know, it's it's a guessing game, obviously. So then that leads me to the question of what does this Lakers team look like without Anthony Davis? To me, it looks like a first round exit. I, I hate to say it, Laker Nation. You know, I, I know you, I'll get pushed back on that and Look, there are a lot of OG Laker fans that really know the game, right? But when you have a fan base that big, you've also got a lot of people that are just don't know what they're talking about at all. And that you can go to every fan base, but the bigger the fan base, the more portion you're going to have of that, right? And so I know some of you are going to go, you out your mind. We still winning the chip, but we go, we'll go get Bradley Beal for Kyle Kuzma. Nah, <laughs> don't work like that, bro, right? And so... What I see is a team that would be in danger of getting knocked out in the first round. They sit second right now. Let's assume Davis, let's just say they shut him down. They're like, no, we're not risking it. We want his long-term health. Let's say they slide to, say, fourth or fifth. That means you would be in a first-round matchup with presumably maybe a Suns or a Denver team who's climbing the standings. And again, that probably be a first round exit with no Anthony Davis now would they make would they make a trade I don't know how that would work but I had to lead the show with this because I think that this can drastically change the landscape of the NBA this season in particular the Western Conference you can't force him back you can't force him back it's and again some of it is I don't think they know right they have they probably thought he was good to go last night so I think we all have to keep our eye on what's going on in Los Angeles. And again, prayers out to Anthony Davis that he avoided disaster. Speaking of injuries and Kevin Durant, KD is now listed out with a pulled hamstring after he returned for one game Saturday night against his former team, the Warriors. 
And I think that is another unintended consequence of this COVID protocol and what's made this season so unique and perhaps so dangerous for these players to play in. Because if you recall, Durant had been held out last week because, again, remember he got pulled out of the game early and that that fiasco. And so he started and he stopped and he started. And any athlete will tell you they don't want that. They want routine. They want to get in a flow. They want to get in a rhythm and preparation for their bodies. I didn't catch the moment it happened. There wasn't like a moment where he went down and he hurt himself. But it was reported Sunday morning that Durant is going to miss a few games now with a tight hammy. But I wanted to get a little bit into Saturday night and his return to the Bay Area, his first game played at Chase Center. Unfortunately for me and Warrior fans, it was never really competitive. And I think what we saw was, I think the Warriors came out and they were game. They, they were game, right? And then when they realized that Steph wasn't hot, they kind of rolled over. And that's what you're going to see as this Brooklyn team builds chemistry with that firepower because it's only human. It's only human. It's a human element. You look across at those three scores, and if you're not putting the ball in the basket at some point, you're like, well, what, what are we going to do here? What are we going to do here, right? And I think you're going to see this Nets team roll over teams and, and have a snowball effect when that when that avalanche of offense comes. That's a lot of, uh, that's a lot of snow that I'm, I'm referencing. But you, you get what I'm saying, right? And they, they can score in these bursts of 10 and 15 points, and it overwhelms teams. And if they're not having a night shooting, you're going to see teams roll over. And, and actually, in the long term, it might hurt this Nets team prepare for what they really need to prepare for, and that's close late-game situations. But on Saturday night, the Warriors still without James Wiseman, still without Kavon Looney, no center. So they were forced to go small, and really it played right into the Nets' hands. They started Bruce Brown, DeAndre Jordan sat, and it allowed them to play small. And there wasn't a big that, they, that could take advantage of that size. And I think it also helped their perimeter defense because they were able to switch everything. They top-locked and switched everything on Steph. Obviously, Nash, Durant, and Kyrie all very familiar with this Warriors system. But I have to say, man, I am impressed with the chemistry of the big three. What are they calling it? Lethal Weapon 3? Yeah, that ain't it. They, like, I don't want to hear that again. That ain't it. The big three, I don't know. We can come up with a nickname, but Lethal Weapon 3 ain't it. I saw a quote from Kyrie where he told Harden, you're the point guard and I'm the shooting guard. That might have been the smartest thing I've heard come out of Kyrie's mouth in a long time, man. That's telling. And to me, that's maturity from Kyrie Irving. If, if you're a Nets fan, that's music to your ears. And I, I also have another confession to make. Look, as a longtime Harden hater, I don't hate this version of him. I don't hate this version of him. I think what I'm figuring out is a lot of the hate that I had for him was his style of play. It was just aggravating to watch. But right now, I mean, if you want to keep it a buck, he looks like the best point guard in the league. The other thing that I'm noticing is the vibe. We can talk about the defense and, and, and different things that need to come together, but the vibe between the big three, it feels like it's going to work, right? And if it doesn't work, I don't think it's going to be because of clashing personalities. I think the three of them, from what I'm seeing, I think they're going to get along just fine. If, if there's clashing, it's going to be because of ultimately the inability to win. Now, I just talked about Kyrie making the mature decision to graciously hand the keys to the offense to Harden. The question is, 
What are they going to do with Kyrie late in games? And I'm not talking about the regular season. I'm talking about a playoff series, right? We're, this is championship or bust in my eyes. I don't care what anybody says. Um, but you look at the Eastern Conference and potential playoff matchups, Ben Simmons, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday. All of these teams, what they're going to do late in game is they're going to force a switch onto Kyrie and you're going to see Whichever one of those guys try to put him in the basket, they're not going to face up and dance on him. They're going to switch it with a foot in the paint and and just bulldoze him into the rim. That's what I foresee happening. And then that leads me to the question is, will Steve Nash finish games with him off the floor? Is that feasible? Kyrie, you know, claims to be this messiah and he's so smart. If he is that smart, maybe it is, can he put his ego to the side and, and, Watch some of these games from the bench at the end, particularly if this team is nursing a lead. I'm not saying he's not a huge part of what they're doing and they're not going to need his offense. But, you know, two minutes to go, you're up eight points. You probably don't want him on the floor where he's going to, again, like Drew Holiday's just backing him down and putting little baby hooks over him. Like that's that's what I'm curious to see most moving forward. But I'm impressed overall. Again, I'm impressed overall with, with how it's coming together offensively. New old segment. I used to do these when I first started on YouTube. I'm going to call it Hey Alkin. Hey Alk. Hey Alk, right? I know people don't like when, when people refer to themselves in the third person, but the point is it's a mailbag. I'm just trying to get creative here where I answer one question at the end of these episodes. You can get at me at Twitter at Uncle Alchemy or on Instagram at Athletic Alchemy. First question comes in from TJ. What do the Hawks do with John Collins? And I had brought up this a couple times here, right? I think everybody knows he's on the block and he's one of the better talents that's on the block. And so John Collins, before I get into the thing is, he's at $4 million a year, right? He was a late first round pick and he's vastly outplayed that contract. And he's one of these players where he's a tweener, not just in, in, in position. I'd say he's a power forward. I wouldn't even call him a tweener positionally. He's a tweener in value. And that's where the Hawks have found themselves in a predicament because John Collins thinks he deserves a max deal. And who knows, maybe a team is willing to give him it, right? You're, you're worth what you can get. But John Collins isn't probably worth a max deal. Like if you get John Collins for, let's say, 15 mil per, you really like him. You're like, he's a good player. But once he's your max guy with those expectations and that chunk of your salary, now now he becomes a, a, a not a value player, right? And, and you probably are going to expect too much from him. And so when the Hawks signed Bogdanovich in that sign-away deal, that which I'm not so sure that they thought they were going to get him, that kind of closed the window on, on retaining John Collins. And so I'm looking around the league, and I think what Atlanta needs to do is they need to find another player that they like who's talented, who's still on a rookie deal, but on a rookie deal for more years than Collins. Collins' deal is up. That's why they're trading him, right? And so a player who has another year or two on their rookie deal where they can utilize him and kind of test drive him and then ultimately maybe pay him when, when some people come off their books. The first guy that came to my mind was Malik Monk in Charlotte. But the problem is I don't think that they want to trade within the division. You don't see it often, and, and that's for a reason. You don't want to bolster someone in your division, and you don't want to trade a player with talent within your division that's going to eat you up, you know, four times a season. 
So I kind of threw that out the window. I have one more proposition. How about John Collins and Chris Dunn to Sacramento for Marvin Bagley? Sacramento, we know, is desperate to make the playoffs, as is the Hawks. And so maybe that's why the Hawks just keep him this year and then see what happens in the offseason, right? But, you know, you get a similar player with a similar profile, but again, Bagley has another year or two under his rookie deal where it buys Atlanta time to clear up that cap space and choose if they want to pay him. And meanwhile, Sacramento gets John Collins, who kind of is what they want Bagley to be, but he hasn't been there yet because of injuries, right? So I don't know. You know, I get, I think trades, obviously, both teams have to see a reason why to do it. That was the one that I could come up with. Now, tonight, we've got a matchup between the two top teams in the league as we stand right now in the Sixers and the Utah Jazz. Philly entering Utah on this West Coast road trip. And I'm intrigued, man. This, like, I, I don't think I would have been saying this at the beginning of the season, but right now, can we not say that this is a possible finals matchup the way Utah has been rolling? And then you consider what's going on with Anthony Davis, right? I will say, I do think that the Sixers have the personnel to take away a lot of that three-point shooting that you're seeing Utah just rain down on everybody because you just look at the size, right? With with uh, Ben and Danny and Tobias and you got Thibel, right? They're, I, they're very good and they have, I won't say they have it every night, but they have the ability to take away the three-point line. So I'm interested to see how that plays out. Hopefully Embiid is listed as day-to-day. Hopefully he plays so we can get a real look and sense at what that possible finals matchup could look like. This is the Hezzy brought to you by basketballgods.net. I'm out, y'all.